to us now by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Is that Miss Hunter there? Yeah, come on up, honey. The Lord has a word for you. I caught your, you caught my eye when you came in. Praise the Lord. See, you couldn't hide from me in that hair. I knew that. I could tell that was you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's good. Right there is cool. Oh, yeah, that's good. Now, the Lord's saying this to, to me to tell you that you are a healer. And the Lord says that you have healing compassion on the inside of you that he has ordained for, for your generation for this time for you to be used by him. That's a gift from him and an ability from him. Uh, and that's what you're called to do. You're a healer in many ways, a healer uh, with your words and with your actions, uh, your thoughts of love and kindness. Uh, he said he put there for his glory and for his use. And use it I will, says the Lord. Use it I will. As you yield to me and devote yourself to me. And and worship me. Spend time with me. And I even see you, I don't know if you've done this or if this is something you will do before God, is worshiping, weeping, and dancing before God with all of your might. That that's where you get the best release of yourself and who you are. That's where you can do the full expression of who you are, says the Lord. And he says, that's reserved for me, and I intend to use it. And so I'm informing you this day that you are mine, you belong to me, and I've called you to serve and to minister as a healer in this earth, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. He says, don't remember the former things. I'm doing a new thing. Things of old are passed away. I'm doing a new thing in you now, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, sweetie. You're welcome. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> praise the Lord. So, praise God. So, today we're going to talk about the fact that you can trust God with your body. You can trust God with your body. Amen. <clears throat> I think this is an issue that needs to be settled among people. Because the minute you start to speak about healing through the word... Everybody starts grabbing their prescription and their appointment card and clinging to it like you don't take it away from them. You understand what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and, and, you know, it is that way because uh, what we understand about healing comes through natural information. And so I think one of the things that, that brings that fear is that people really have not learned to trust God with their bodies. Now, we all want to go to heaven, you know, it's like a, 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 a fire insurance policy. In case of fire, I am saved, you know. <laughs> there are a lot of people, they ain't living saved, but they got a tattoo somewhere that's in case of fire, I am saved, you know, kind of stuff. <laughs> they only think they're going to need it for the hereafter. But eternal life dwells in you now if you're born again. See, that's a sad part. You see people who have all the equipment and don't use it to their advantage, see. But you're going to start using it to your advantage because it is so easy to trust God with your body. Proverbs 3, 
5 through 8, tells us, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, every single bit of your heart. Yes, even the part you reserve for your favorite doctor. Because he got all my records and he's been taking care of us for generations. Well, God wants that part of your heart too. Part that you gave to Dr. No. Huh? <laughs> or Dr. Don't Know. And lean not to your own understanding. Why don't we lean to our own understanding? Because it's built up with worldly knowledge, number one, and we never have the whole picture. You can never know everything. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. We're to acknowledge him in all things. That word way, the word way really means things or all decisions or all areas of your life, all paths of life. In other words, there is not one area of your life that God does not have greater wisdom on. He always has a greater wisdom. Now, we don't have it all. We haven't tapped into it yet, but God sure has it. And will he give it to us? Yeah. James says if we lack wisdom, what do we do? Ask of God who gives it liberally and does not upbraid you for asking. Huh? Remember Miss uh, Fenton in the third grade? You could you wouldn't ask a question because he'd tell you off and they yeah God's stupid, huh? But God doesn't do that to us, huh? You know how them third grade teachers are. They short on patience, long on discipline, and everything else. It's like that. Who was that had the? Uh, <laughs> he's a lovely guy. I shouldn't have been watching him, but I liked him when I saw him. Um, Bernie Mac, remember the the Catholic priest that ran the school? Look at that little Genesis. Look at him. He'd be smoking a cigar or something, sitting in his office, looking out the playground. Call them all little Judases, you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, that's the typical third grade teacher. Huh? But God is not like that. He says, I will give it to you liberally and not upbraid you for asking. Isn't that wonderful? He says he only does it with wisdom. <laughs> Wisdom's the only thing that he mentions that he can give so freely and wants to give so freely to us. It says here, in the, all your ways acknowledge him, and he, then he will direct you. So he will direct your path after that. He also warns us not to be wise in our own eyes. Huh? I know we can get all kind of <clears throat> videos on YouTube to tell us how to cook and braid hair, put on false eyelashes, do your own plastic surgery. I don't know what they got you doing on YouTube. But he says, don't ever be wise in your own eyes. You can have access to all kinds of information and think you know a lot. But he says, don't ever do that. But fear the Lord and depart from evil. In other words, being wise in your own eyes is evil. It's wrong. It comes from the the dark side and from the flesh. And he says this, that if you do these things, if you acknowledge me in all your ways, let me help you, let me direct you, let me guide you. He says it'll be health to your navel. That means your inward parts, your body. And marrow to your bones. Amen. It'll strengthen you. It'll help you. It'll be to stay for you. And so if we will acknowledge him, he promises to direct our paths. 
We have to acknowledge him in healing ways as well. We have to acknowledge God. And this will always ensure a good outcome. Now, why should we go to God when we're sick? You know, I've offered sometimes to uh, encourage people to, to stand on the word, you know, and let's believe God, let's pray and believe God for this. And, and, and the reason he wants us to trust him is because it was not your idea to create you. Amen. Huh? Amen. You were created by him. Genesis 1, 1, uh, 26 and 27 says that he said, let us make man in our image. So you're made in the image of God, not the image of you. And this goes for your doctor, too. He made you neither. He tried to make the money for the Florida vacation. You know that's right, don't you, brother? That's right. That's what he, he about the Benjamins, y'all. So. You know, we all got to have a living. You got me? And so when you, you know, just just keep that in mind sometimes. They go always have an appointment for you, always have a diagnosis for you. They always got something with your name on it. But God. But God. God created us. We did not make ourselves. He says, let us make man in our image. The image of God is both male and female. See, y'all, I don't know if y'all have been to Presbyterian church or crazy school or where you've been hanging out. But let me take you to Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, or just like us, who is he talking to? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This is a conversation with the council of heaven, which never changes. It never changes. God has always made man in his image. I don't care how many notorious Charles Mansons there are in the world. He's created in God's image, too. He just don't know it. He says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and, and everything that's on the earth. So, verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So, there is part of God that's female and part of God that's male. Anybody ever had a good talk with the Holy Ghost? That's the feminine side of God. Hmm? Very active, very brooding, creating and producing, hovering over the word to bring it forth. All those attributes are female attributes. Now, I know we live in a fast world and a, a modern age and all that, but you don't change. The way you're created never changes. You were created male and female from the beginning. And that never changes. Now, I don't care if, if, if your cousin. All this dikey stuff around here and, you know, with these hobnail boots on and. Going around want to crush somebody and all this. I don't care what, what famous uh, uh, Hollywood people do that stuff. Right. They're confused. Amen. Yes, they are. 
See, they're confused. Huh? That stuff will jump on anybody. You sit up there and listen to these people talk uh, and, and get in their conversations, and, and all of a sudden someone will say, hmm. Wonder about what? Wonder if I'm? Wonder what? Wonder? Wonder if I'm gay? Huh? You can be gay, merry, and happy, but you can't gay be gay. Uh, somebody trapped in somebody else's body. Now God just don't do stuff like that to people. And crazy thoughts will come to anybody at any time. There's uh, the that lady. Uh, uh, what's her name? Shoot. Uh, um. Keaton remembered back in the eighties the family of you. What about you, baby? Them kind of them people on uh, TV land. She says she a lesbian now. She done played everybody's mama on TV. Got a bunch of kids herself. Done been married. Now she does. She over in there now. Now if that ain't confused you, how come she wasn't at all that life all that time she was being a female? Huh? See, people are confused. Sin confuses you. Sin mixes your mind up. See, that's just the end thing to be now. You know, they've been everything else, so now we try this. This is the end thing to be. He created them male and female from the beginning. And if you go to him, you'll get straight like it was supposed to be from the beginning. Huh? That's why they hate to see Christians coming. That's why they always got something bad to say about believers. And you tell them you're a Christian. Yeah, you better, old devil. I like my devils owing and backing up myself. I'm getting my face with some nonsense. I was born this way. Born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But you don't have to stay that way. Everybody's born in some kind of sin that they do. You just happen to choose that one. I get a deck of cards, pick another one. You know, pick again. Silly people. Just that simple. Which one did you pick? You know, people ask for trouble for themselves. You see how the devil sets them up for problems. So I'm not going to stay here all day. This ain't that kind of seminar. But <laughs> scared straight. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's the only sin that defines you by what you do behind closed doors. See, I'm, I'm a straight person. Have been all my life. I like boys too much. <laughs> so my mother had to tell me certain things to do, but that didn't make me gay. Just because you have to have some self-control and some discipline, that don't make you go the other way. But I don't go nowhere and say the hetero is here. So anytime you define your identity by what you do in bed, you're going to have some problems. Because that ain't all that you are. But when you put that up front, people are going to have a hard time getting past that to find out you're really a human being in there that's valuable. Is that all you about is what you do in bed? Come on now. So they need God. 
created in his image. And his image is not confused. It's not saying sex, nothing. So, you got it? We're all created by God. Huh? When you go into surgery, if you put miss somebody on there, if you're that confused and they a man laying up there on that bed, something bad might happen to you in surgery. <laughs> That's pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> I liked it myself. Huh? I mean, we got enough problems with that kind of stuff already without adding confusion to the picture. You know, you can help some people if you tell them stuff like that. So if God created us, he understands everything about us. And he can fix whatever is wrong with us. Our problem is evolution has stolen that from man. Because there was a time when people would easily turn to God in time of trouble and distress. But if we remove God as our creator and remove him from God in everyday life, we get further and further away from faith and trusted him and trusting him with our bodies and believing him. So God can fix whatever is wrong, but evolution has stolen the obvious faith from us. So we're not as prone to go to God, but we trust more in science and scientific things. To the point where if you tell somebody you're believing God for something, they laugh at you. Huh? Where it didn't used to be like that. But see, this this knowledge about we evolved from something and we, you know, it's all a test tube matter and looking under microscopes, that has robbed us of that basic trust and confidence in God. So, the Isaiah 46.10 also tells us, That God sees the end of a thing at the beginning of it. So God has all knowledge. He's not lacking in any information. There is not anything that he does not know and does not avail himself of in the process of helping us and healing us. Recently you see in the paper that 24 people have died so far. Of fungal meningitis. Huh? It's trust in man. You got me? Now, did God know that was going to happen? Of course he did. He knows everything. He knows the end at the beginning. 24 that died either weren't warned, weren't helped, but there's a lot of people out there that got the injections and still alive. Some of them have the disease and are recovering, and some it skipped totally over them. But there was a warning for people from God if they would have sought in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Before you step out and do anything, there's instruction from God for the church because we belong to him. We're blood bought. And what that means is that that blood covers us in all situations it covers us there was a woman uh, elizabeth pruitt some of you know her she's an old evangelist i should say old <laughs> funny that huh me, look at me talking but anyway she's a <laughs> an evangelist that you might know from the 70s or 80s she's been preaching a long time and she had backslidden from god in fact she married a man who was an unbeliever 
they used to drink and fight and carry on. And for some reason, as a Christian, she just liked doing stuff like that. You got me? I mean, it's hard for some unbelievers to take to that. But, you know, Christians will do some anything. You know, they get out from under the the uh, structure and, and uh, discipline of the church and some goofy idea will come to them. I've seen people marry the wrong person because they won't just won't obey God, you know. And then you got all these years of trouble. And so she was had two children and and went into the hospital or went to the doctor's office. She had a cold or something. And she they were she was Pentecostal. She was raised. Her mother was a preacher. And she was raised laying your hands on everybody and they got healed. You know, God healed everything. The cat, the dog, the goldfish. If you couldn't get your hand on your little goldfish, you prophesied to me. And God healed, healed them all. And couldn't go back to mom because of I told you so. You know, that's what people are scared of. Those few words, I told you so. What keeps them from repenting and straightening up. But anyway. <clears throat> She went to the doctor's office. He gave her a shot of penicillin. She died. While she was gone, God talked to her and gave her a proposition. I'll send you back, but you got to quit doing what you're doing, running from me. you got to repent and come back and serve me. That's how you're going to live. And that's how she's been able to live, is she served God. You got me? But see, he knew the end from the beginning. Was she warned? Probably but she's always overridden that small voice inside of her, helping her and trying to pull her in the right direction. And the Bible says he is who is often reproved and hardens his heart will find himself suddenly cut off and that without remedy. So you can't keep messing with God and thinking you got another day to sin. You got to get right. You know, you got to quit playing around. But God knows the end from the beginning, and that's how he can help us. Because he knows everything that's going to happen in between. He knows all the ups and downs of your life, all the steps that you'll be going through. So these people died because of contaminated medicine that was used for pain. Not for cancer, not for heart disease, but for back pain. Does the devil want to kill me if my back feels tight yeah he does does the devil want to kill me if i just you know need something for uh for uh, a headache yes he does he will kill you there if he can but because god knows the end from the beginning the blood covers you and protects you so even if you did take the shot you might be one of the, the other people who are sitting at home with no symptoms whatsoever and all you got to do is pray your way through the incubation period so it doesn't manifest in your body and you're home free. But see, God wants us to acknowledge him in all of our ways because of that. It doesn't cost you anything to stop and say, well, God, I feel like I need to go and get some uh, get the doctor's help for this or help for that. Most people now in, that are in spirit-filled churches know how to go and get the elders of the church to pray for you. you we have a, a covenant with God that covers those things. But many people just bypass the elders of the church. They just sneak right on out like they're, you know, avoiding something. And I wonder what they're avoiding. See? What is it that's so hard about trusting God? You trust him with your body to take it to heaven. Why don't you trust him with it down here on earth and see if he can help you to stay divinely healthy 
get healthy, get rid of some of all of that chronic stuff that will haunt and plague us if we run away from it and not confront it the way God wants us to do. See, I think that's the thing that bugs most people is that you're going to have to make a stand against something. And many Christians would rather live in a passive life and let somebody else do the con. Well, God, you tell the devil to leave me alone. You know, God, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a, keep, they keep pushing God for something when he's given us authority over all the works of darkness. And so if we will allow ourselves to, to just relax everybody, I'm not taking anybody's doctors or pills away from them, you know, just relax. And allow God to help you understand who he is as your healer. Don't just write him off forever. Because there will come something will will attack you that's going to be too big for the pill. And too big for the doctor. And too big for the surgery. You're going to need something supernatural. And and it's best to live comfortably in the supernatural at all times. So God knew all this stuff with a contaminated uh, medicine was going to happen. I'm sure there are probably some smart doctors or nurses who looked at the medicine because sometimes you can see what a if it looks cloudy or something like that, it looks suspicious to you and not to use it. And God is in all those things. He alerts people who have to minister medicine to mm, look at this or, or something, to take note of something. So he is helping us all the time with our health and with our healing. So uh, God, <clears throat> God cannot intervene where he is not acknowledged. If you don't acknowledge him, he cannot intervene for you. Man is not compelled to obey God. When he is warned. Remember Noah knew it was going to flood and he went around preaching and telling people. And was pretty much laughed at. And he believed God and there came a day when it rained. And the Bible said that after God had made his decision about who was going to be saved. When they all got into the ark, God shut the door. Because if man shut something, man can open it. If God shuts that door, only God can open that back up again. When God was done, he was done. And only Noah and his family and the animals that he saved were saved for the next generation to live. So God always warns us to seek him for guidance, wisdom, and protection. But we often do not. So you need to ask yourself, what do I really think about relying on Jesus as my healer? You know, you you need to to question yourself. What's my perception of Jesus as a healer? Many times we think that's for everybody else but us, people who don't rely on God. That's for people who don't have hospitalization. I have good hospitalization, trusting in the natural. That's for big things, not for this. This is a small thing. God doesn't mind. God doesn't care. Or you're afraid God might take the doctors away from us, period. You know, all of our natural things. Where you know, people are just scared. They have weird ideas about what it means to trust God with your body, to trust him as your healer. And so when, when we have to trust God, there's a process that he takes us through. You make the decision that you're going to trust him, and then there's a process that he takes us through. And that process has to do with the covenant that he has with man. 
So God's not asking you to trust somebody who's got a shaky reputation or somebody who is going to leave you high and dry. His credentials are in the Bible. The reasons to trust God are in his word. He's got a resume in there. He's got a history in there. He's got a purpose in there for people that will pick it up and read it. Proverbs 4.20 tells us something about God's word that we need to remember and we need to remind ourselves of it on a continual basis. Proverbs 4 verse 20 22 begins by saying son. How many of you are sons and daughters of the most high God? That's everybody. So he's talking to all of us. People who aren't sons and daughters can easily become sons and daughters. And he says, son, attend to my words. Incline thine ears to my sayings. Listen to me. Listen to me. He said, let them not depart from thine eyes and keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life to those that find them. And health or medicine or healing to all of our flesh. So God has given us a covenant to heal us, a promise, a guarantee to heal us that depends on us listening to him. So what are we listening to? Your trust is who gets your attention. Huh? Anybody's ever been in love knows that. Huh? Oh, gee, ain't nobody in here been in love? Those people who thought you were. That ought to be everybody. Oh, okay, now, now I located you. Huh? It's who you listen to. Oh, baby, you know, you. I know I ain't got much now. See, that's your cue to exit stage, get out of there. Huh? I mean, I don't care if you're waiting on them to bring the hors d'oeuvres out. You get up and, well, maybe take a couple of more d'oeuvres, but be on your way out of there. You know what your answer should be? Well, baby, you ain't got much number. I'm sorry, I ain't going to make it no better. Pretty good. Is somebody writing this down? I I like that. (laughs) That'll get you a quick exit. You know, they got them exit relationships now. It's just lunch. That that lets you know this don't have to wind up being nothing. It's just lunch. You got me? We we ain't taking it no further. It may not be lunch if it don't, you know what I'm saying. Whatever. Got something for everybody. (laughs) However, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. God said, listen to me. Don't listen to anybody else but me. After you listen to God, then you make your decision about what you want to do. And I can tell you, most people don't. 
They get a pain, they panic. They get a sniffle, they panic. Now, what makes me working people panic because they can't take the time off work. Huh? Oh, God, you know my mother, she pray a lot. That's going to take too long. You know what I'm talking about? Them, Them experienced people. Watch everybody else pray. Instead of listening to God, he said, incline your ear to my sayings. See, we observe things. We think we know what we're looking at. Huh? But you don't know that mom walks in divine health because she prays for you all the time. Huh? Well, my mother, she just don't get sick. You know, that, that's her peoples. That runs in their blood. I'm sure it does. Huh? The blood of Jesus. And that's what you get when you're saved and you have a covenant with God. But see, we have a covenant of strong friendship with God. That means he's the biggest friend you ever got. He owns everything. He knows everything. He could see everything before it gets here. Why not trust him with your body? Huh? Why not trust him with that? And so we understand God's abilities, his ability to help us, his ability to save us, his ability to heal us and keep us well there won't be any problem for us to trust. Now, you might have some doubt and some wavering sometimes. Sometimes symptoms get too much, you think. But I can tell you that the Bible says the word preserves your life. So the minute you start listening to the word, your life gets extended. You buy time down here with the word. Remember Brother Copeland's gentleman that he went to preach for the minister and the guy thought he was getting ready to go home to be with the lord he called brother copeland to help him get tie his ministry together for his departure and brother copeland said that there was really not that much to do so he spent most of his evenings talking to this gentleman oh tell me about your ministry how how'd you start this where'd you and at the end of about a week this man said well you know what brother copeland i think i feel it better now i don't think i'm gonna die after all i think i feel like i can live some longer you know why the word that they spoke every time they got together preserved his life every day that they spent reminiscing about ministry and sharing prophesying and ministering the word over one another back and forth sharing that word coming into agreement with a man of god that believed god for the supernatural all that is part of it. And so that word began to extend his life day after day after day. And he was what we call converted. His soul was converted. Amen. You know what it means to have your soul converted? It means you used to thought you was going to die. And now that you've been thought about it a little differently, you thought you're going to live now. Huh? That's conversion. That happens to us with everything that we believe God for. When I first came into the things of God, I I came to the Lord because I had a nervous breakdown and he healed me. And little by little, I began to get involved in in meetings and things of that nature. And I would hear some of the saints there talk about, uh, one girl was single and she was saying, she said, oh, my uh, fiancé and I, we don't spend much time alone together because we're celibate. And on the inside of me, I'm going, <laughs> like honey boo-boo. What? Sugar, whatever that little girl's name is. But anyway, you know, I'm like, and that was iniquity in me that didn't believe that. Now I was saved. 
and I loved God. And I was in church every time I could go, and I was, I was just totally taken by God. But I still had iniquity in my soul. I wasn't converted. What does a converted mean? It means that you used to think like that, Barb, but now you're convinced that that's wrong, and you can live for God and not sleep around. I don't care what situation you're in. Huh? You get a commitment before you get intimate, all that kind of stuff. I'm totally changed. I'm totally straight, converted, turned over on that. See? You can't live that way and claim holiness and righteousness and all the things that we need to to function even in this life. So you can be a saved person and have a mind full of the devil's ideas. But you can be converted too. And it's the same way with healing and trusting God with your body. You can be converted so that you don't have to experience these things. You know, I I don't like having to submit my health and all that to man. I've just grown to understand God's superiority in these things. And he's taught me how to get disease out of my body if it attacks me. So why would I go for the lesser when I have the better? Now, people who trust in medicine see it totally different. They think, I'm stupid. Well, why is she doing all that? All it takes is a little pill. Huh? You tell that to them people with the them 24 people that died from the injection. Well, somebody don't like it. Huh? All they had to do was acknowledge him. And they would have gotten directed otherwise. You got me? The ones that felt there was so much pain they just had to have it are probably the ones that, you know, people get dependent like that sometimes. And it is too bad. Because they're almost like sheep going to the slaughter in that respect. Because they don't understand that you can stop and seek God for these things. It's so easy. And God is helping people to understand these things. Look at the number of people that are on television now that pray for the sick. They're increasing in number. So God wants people to trust them more. You know why? Because this world is not going to get any better. It's not going to get any better. I was watching the food channel, I think it's. Was that, uh, what was Tony, what were we, the big gay ice cream truck? Yeah, Food Network, the big gay ice cream truck. Huh? <laughs> hey, you really think I'm going to go buy somebody ice cream? Now, listen, I, I'm, I love everybody. But see, there's a line of faith I don't cross. As much disease and stuff, it travels with people that, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, well, you're old-fashioned. That's not how it's transmitted. You don't know. And you don't know if it's not transmitted that way now. You don't know when it might change. Scientists tell you all the time, bacteria, did they mutate? They know how to survive. We got strains of bacteria now that are resistant. They can't make penicillin fast enough in in a modified form to attack some of the bacteria that's around now. That flesh eating bacteria, there's nothing they can do for that. That's just a mutation of something that's been around for a while. So don't ever get real comfortable, folks. I prefer to get a saint's my money anyway 
if they had a big holy ice truck, I go there. I mean, ice cream, I go there in a minute and buy me some ice cream. But I'm not crossing the line, folks. And get, you know, my faith don't. I don't. My faith ain't that strong to cross over all that, huh? But you ought to see the people hanging outside of, just lining up. You know why? Because it's politically correct. See, if you say anything against anybody gay, you you're a wrong person. You a hater, huh? Yeah, I'm a hater. I hate sin. I hate iniquity. I hate all forms of it, even gay sin. I hate that too. You got me? And so, as a righteous person, you have to be like that. You can't just, now I love the people. I totally love the people. But I hate the sin. And I hate the way it takes them down. And I don't have to tell them I approve of their lifestyle either in order to be right. Right with who? Huh? And is AIDS God's judgment? No, it's a warning. It's a warning. All disease is a warning. Judgment comes later. In other words, stick around. We haven't seen the end of the story yet. See, people might be enjoying it. It's cute and fun now, but wait until judgment does come. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? That's in the Bible, too. Huh? Remember that? It's the same God, folks. Takes longer now because he gives warning and opportunity and chance for people to repent. Huh? He gives a chance for people to repent. Sickness is always a warning. Hezekiah found that out. Hmm? Prophet of God came in. This is a prophet and none of his words fell to the ground. <laughs> they all came to pass. <laughs> Hezekiah, you're going to surely die. Goodbye. Huh? Oh, get your affairs in order. <laughs> Call a lawyer. <laughs> Call the kids. Bring the wife in. Oh. Before the prophet got to the end of the gate, we don't know how long a, long a gate it was, but God told him, turn around, go back and tell Hezekiah he's going to live. Huh? The sickness Amen. is a warning, folks. Mm-hmm. Some people take it as a warning of they need to lose weight or be healthy or something like that. But it's always a warning, you know, that iniquity is closing in on your physical man. And who better to help us with any iniquity or any spiritual? See, sickness is a spiritual problem. It's not totally physical. It manifests in the, in the physical man. But it came as a separation from God. We were separated from God by our disobedience. That's why most of your Old Testament scriptures will tell you, Exodus 23:25, serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and take sickness away from the midst of you. Exodus uh, 23:25. I'm sorry, 15:26. If you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his rules. Well, Bob, that's a tall order. Nobody can do that. I do it all the time. Huh? Are you doing your best for God? Do you listen to his word? Do you obey him when he gives you instruction? And when you mess up, do you repent and ask forgiveness? Well, that's it. You fulfill that scripture. Huh? You've done it the best you know how to do. 
You're not trying to go around hating on people and not doing what you're supposed to do and flicking God out of anything. Well, then you're entitled to walk in health. And Signa, you have a right to rebuke the devil when he tries to put sickness on you. He said, none of these diseases that I put upon the Egyptians are for you. He said, I'm the God that heals you. Now, them people, they do get sick because they don't have a covenant with me. But you, I heal you. I don't make you sick. Huh? And so he says he gives us enough encouragement to believe him for us to trust him with our bodies. He gives us enough. We have a a covenant signed in his blood and sealed with an oath. Because he could swear by no higher, he swore by himself. That surely blessing I will bless you. And multiplying I will multiply you. We have a sure covenant that's built on better promises than the old one. We have a new covenant now. You know that every time you sin, you have a conviction of the Holy Spirit to make things right with God. This is how sure this covenant is. You're not out here trying to figure out if, I wonder if there's something you know. What did the Holy Spirit tell you? Well, he didn't say nothing yet. Well, what do you know that you did you need to confess? Well, I might have messed up the bill money a little bit. Well, quit doing it. Confess it and repent for real. God will help you quit doing it. Huh? Don't let financial irresponsibility stand between you and God. Get it right. Confess it. Tell him you need help. Tell him whatever. Send some more money or something. But let's get it right and let's move on. So you have a covenant that is unbreakable, unshakable, and you can't mess it up no matter how hard you try. So that gives you strong consolation when you have that. When you are sick, the first thing you should do is call for the elders of the church, not wonder what you did wrong. And what door you open to all this intellectual stuff that the church gets into sometimes. Well, what door did I open? I don't care. Number one, number two, number three. They all got the devil behind them. Huh? But God is still your healer. You can still trust him with your body. That's when you need to trust him. It's when the devil's on top of you. That's when you need to cry out to him. Instead of trying to wonder how you can fix it, fix it up so it don't look like you did anything wrong. Your covenant is not for that. The covenant's for everyday people. It's not for perfect people. It's not for people to try to do everything right before they can ask God for something. It's for people like you and like me who need help and the sooner the better. But you can trust God with your body. So your covenant does not depend on your behavior, do's and don'ts, but it depends on your faith in the righteousness that God imputes to us when we trust him. You, when you trust God, you take off any doubt, fear, unrighteousness, and you put on a robe of righteousness. And that righteousness will get you in every door that God wants you to get into. If you believe God has done this for you, imputed righteousness to you, then you are in order to be healed. Then you're in, in the, in the uh, uh, faith for being healed. Things that you need to know about God, number one, is is he willing? That's one thing that hinders people more than anything. They don't know if God is willing to heal them. In Matthew chapter 8. 
verse 2. Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The problem doesn't seem to be that people doubt God's ability to heal. They doubt his willingness. And that willingness makes it bigger than what it is. That willingness will strip you of any understanding you have of God's ability. That that willingness is like a closed door that you dare not go in. And sometimes you can think, some people can make it seem so simple to trust God and believe God for things. But then it's hard sometimes too because you don't understand if God is really willing to do what he says he's going to do. Will he do it for you? Many times people are, are uh, overcome with symptoms. And it's hard to focus on whether or not God will. Can he? What's it going to take for me? It seems like the list gets very long of things that must be done in order for them to receive from God because they've never been in a place where they had to just believe God to grant them healing. And it comes. And we look at these stories in the Bible and it looks like it was boom, boom, boom. They showed up at the meeting, they talked to Jesus, and boom, they got it. And it is like that. Boom, boom, boom. You show up, you talk, and you get it. Because Jesus healed them all. Everybody that came to him in faith, he healed. Now, you can't come to him in your uh, 60 minutes and first, first 48th interrogation mode. You understand what I'm saying? Like you got God sitting in that chair sweating and you got the naked light bulb over him. Well, God, how many people have you really healed? And uh, have you really done this ever? Uh, is this new for you? Or what? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? It's called humility and it's called worship. And you'll notice that people that came to him in the right attitude because he was God and they worshipped him, they never walked away without everything that they needed. Amen? And I'll show you an example of it. Well, this man here, Jesus said, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I'm willing, be clean. Huh? That was the only thing that man had as a question in his mind was if Jesus were willing. And Jesus answered that question and healed him. So it was an honest question from a doubting heart that was reaching out to God and he needed some clarification and understanding. That's what the healing school is for. To bring clarification and understanding and take the doubt and the fear and any roadblock that is in your way to healing or to believing God to anoint you to lay hands on people for them to be healed. It takes all of that away. And when Jesus would commune with people, this is what he was after, getting them into faith, not telling them they didn't have enough faith and turning them away without anything. He never did that. He never does that. Anybody who's serving him won't do that. You got me? You never get turned away. Your faith may not be adequate at the time to bring forth the total manifestation But you will be healed as you go. We never take it away from people. We always allow people to receive that. And if they will reach out to God for their need, they will, that need will be met. In Mark chapter 7, there's another situation I want to show you. One of the reasons that you can trust God with your body is He's a faithful creator. 
Mm-hmm. He is a faithful creator. There's a politician that recently got in some trouble from for saying some things about God being involved when when uh, 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 people are uh, when when life is conceived. That's what what his real point was. And every time you see the clip on the television, they twisted it to make it seem like rape is God's will. And, and I guess that's you know you, less than one percent of abortions are done. For those reasons, for rape, incest, or, or to save a mother's life, you just don't have those situations that that much anymore. And and thoughtful parents. Now, I've I've known of parents who were having a uh, maybe say a, a questionable uh, success-wise pregnancy, and the parents had already decided what they're going to do if if the mother's life is threatened. You understand me? So that for thoughtful parents, you know that. That's something that they can work out, you know, but uh, they've they've kind of like made it seem like he thinks that rape is God's will. But really what he was saying is that whenever a baby is created, God knows and allowed that creation to take place. He allowed that creation to take place. Now, I know people don't really believe that some, but God is active in all creation. He gave us reproductive ability as an extension of his image working in us. He's a creator. He allows us to participate at least in a measure in that creative process by reproducing. He tells us to be fruitful, go forth, multiply. If God didn't want, wasn't, uh, wasn't active in all creation, there would probably be not, no unwed births. God allows the creation of humanity because he's not so much concerned about how you get here, but what happens afterwards. He sees a life coming into the earth, and he can have control over that life and set a path for that life before they're created. Say, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I ordained your life to come into this earth. He didn't say it would have to be a perfect situation all the time. Even people who are married, you know, they get beyond two years and they're done with the marriage. You got me? So God still has to come in and help people no matter how you get here. But this gentleman was expressing this. And so I was looking in, in uh, uh, there's a, um, a man who formed an organization to help uh, children who were conceived in rape called the Radiance Foundation. So if you ever see that, that's what they do. And he said he is so thankful and he's able to minister. He's a Christian. And he's able to minister to many children who were rape victims that just hated themselves all their lives or were shunned and all of this kind of stuff simply because of the way that they were conceived and came here. See? So God has a purpose for all life. This is all that, that's being said. And if God created your life and knew you in the womb, then he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he is a faithful creator even over people who were created in a way that he doesn't approve of. That's what being a faithful creator is. You got me? So if he's faithful to find people 
and and minister to them and help their life and have a good plan for their life. Elevate them, exalt them, use them, save them, get them born again, give them a new identity, all the things that we enjoy. Then he's a faithful creator over our sickness and our disease. He would be unfaithful to leave us sick and not give us a remedy through him for that sickness. See? He would be an unfaithful. He, there would be something wrong with him. And we know that Pilate could find no fault in Jesus, could he? There's nothing wrong with the God that we serve. Nothing wrong. All God does with us is try is draw us out into his faith so that we can partake of divine health and healing. So in Mark, what did I say? Mark chapter 7. In verse 20. Verse 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but but he could not be hid. So he's... In this house and trying to withdraw and be away from people. But the anointing always draws people. You know that, don't you? A certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. Now, what drew her to him? What drew her to him? Her faith. Anybody who came was led by their faith, by the spirit of faith. You got me? Even the Pharisees, they had to have they they had curious faith. You know what I'm saying? Some of them got converted anyway, but faith has to draw you to God. So this woman was drawn by the measure of faith that she had. Now she's already torn down some barriers because he's in a place and not even announced a meeting. But she's found him and she's going anywhere anyway. So there's a measure of faith. I would call it corporate faith that we all can get into and flow into. And then if we extend our faith even further, we get into our personal faith. And then we can extract from that atmosphere what your personal faith entitles you to. But this lady's personal faith created her own healing situation. So she got strong personal faith, folks. Trust me. This isn't just her being in the press and all that kind of stuff and being one of the crowd. Her faith got her into the presence of God. And he came and fell on her feet. And the woman was a Greek, which means she was not a Hebrew, which means she has no covenant with God. Of course, the Jews didn't receive him, so they might as well not have had one. You got me? And so it says here, whose daughter had an unclean spirit, and the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children first be filled. For it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. So in other words... He's calling her a dog and really pushing her away. He tells her, really, he says, I came to the Jewish people. I didn't come to you. Bible says he came to his own, 
but his own received him not. But he came to him anyway. Many times when he would preach, he says, I've come for nobody but for the lost sheep of Israel. That was his purpose to offer to sum up the covenant with them. So the, the Jewish nation was having their old covenant finished. That's why he came to them first. Not because he liked them better. God liked them better. But he had already committed to finish up the old covenant. So his first mission was to finish up the old covenant with the Jewish nation while at the same time introducing the new. God never takes anything from you without offering you something better. And anybody who is halfway smart, if you watch him for any length of time, you'd see him doing that. He's preaching. He's going to the lost sheep of Israel. He's preaching in the synagogues. He's teaching. He's telling the kingdom is at hand. Repent. This is not like being Abraham's children where you're born into it. you got to be born again into this one. So while he's removing the old, he's replacing it with the new. And anybody who's on to this is watching this and saying, now wait a minute. He's going to the synagogue and whipping people and tossing them out. And they're wanting to throw him off a cliff. But yet at the same time, he's healing people that aren't in the synagogue, that aren't Jews. He's eating with publicans and sinners. He's forgiving sins off of these people. Wait a minute. And this is what gets her in the door. This attitude is, you know what? If he's loosening up on this sent to the lost sheep of Israel thing, I might be able to squeeze in there and get something for my kid. You got me? So she has just enough faith to squeeze her into his presence that far. Then when she gets in there, he looks at her and says, I ain't giving the children's bread to dogs. Now listen, Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. Where do you think that idea of being a dog came from? From her. All the Greeks carried that thing with them. You're an outcast. You're the dog. The Pharisees called them dogs. Anybody who was outside of the covenant was a dog to a Pharisee. Remember the the Good Samaritan? Everybody crossed the side, went across the street. And walked around that brother let him broken and bleeding by the Jericho side of the Jericho Road. There were Pharisees in that too. They looked down their nose at everybody. Why? We have Abraham to our father. So they relied on being born naturally into the grace of God. And what did Jesus do? He came to destroy the works of darkness. So he, he confronts this lady with her own thoughts. The word of knowledge reads your thoughts. Hmm? The Bible says Jesus was the word made flesh. And the word is a two-edged sword discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Huh? And he had the Holy Spirit without measure. And he was looking for what is hindering this woman's faith from coming all the way in. And he found it. He says, she's asking me, but she doesn't really think she's qualified to receive it. 
The devil's put a roadblock up on the inside of her. And so what he does, he draws her out the only way he knows how. And that's by pulling it out and looking at it. Look what I found. You don't really think I'm going to heal your daughter because you think I'm a dog. She said, yeah, but even dogs get crumbs off the table. See, she'd been wanting to tell the Pharisees off anyway. Huh? That sister already had that. I mean, that was a quick, ready answer. Huh? Jesus wanted the full expression of her faith, not holding back a little bit. So those little doubts that we have in us, it's very important to get those dealt with. Because that's the difference between the healed or the not, the whole or the not, the successful or the not, is those little hindrances. And we all have them to some degree. There's always going to be something. You know, when something doesn't happen on our time schedule, wonder what it, <clears throat> what it is. We all do it. But Jesus came to take care of that wonder what it is thing on the inside of everybody. He wants that thing gone. Because the only way you can get faith that will will move mountains and create things for you is to get rid of all of it. Don't let any of it stay in there. And ever doubt that God will do it. If he does it for one person, he'll do it. He's no respecter of persons. With him is no respecter of persons. Many times we'll struggle with things and we'll wonder, why is it I can't just get beyond this level of doing what I do it's because there's some hindrance there's something in there that makes you feel either unqualified you don't measure up like somebody else you see God doing it for other people and see for a thief he'd be quick to claim it I don't know how they get all that stuff I'm going to get me some of it you know Sometimes we need to let the thief loosen us just a little bit now that's just uh, don't get carried because I know some of y'all will go Y'all will go do some damage to some stuff you've been looking at. But I'm telling you that if we will let God's word deal with those doubts that are within, like she had. He said, let the children first be filled. Woo! Huh? Where'd that come from, Jesus? Huh? Once he pulled it out of her and showed it to her, she had an answer for it. See, that's something different. That's something interesting about your soul. If it's inside of you, feeding you all the time, it's convincing you because it's in your own voice. Even though it's just a conversation you picked up from the gates of hell. It's using your voice and you're parroting it on the inside of you. But if you would just let somebody come and pull it out of you, and, sh- and what do we do when people, when people kind of confront us with things? Make excuses. Yeah. Well, see, it ain't really that serious. See, I, I, you know, I just didn't want all this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put it back in there. Hold on to it. But this lady's condition was such that she wanted it for her daughter. And instead of her going away with her head hung and accepting that, she said, I am not a dog. She said, but even if I am a dog, you mean to tell me the God of the universe who created me and my daughter would call me a dog and leave me on the outside and feed them thieving, lying dog Pharisees sitting up there in the church? Would take care of them and not me and my daughter? Uh Uh-uh. I don't think so. Not today. She's not going to be sick another day, Jesus. 
Because I know for a fact that if, if, if that meal, the whole meal is not for me, if it's coming from God, the crumbs off the table will save my daughter and will heal my daughter. You understand what I'm saying? If I'm a dog, I'm living well because I'm in the master's house. I'm living off the crumbs. Huh? You know, our Coco, our rescue. I told I told somebody, I said, I don't know if she used to work at a crack house or a drug house. Because she hard on that door, man, when you. Now, my, my last dog, I know she's in heaven, poor little girlfriend. But she wouldn't beg for nothing. I mean, we'd be sitting down at the dinner table. And girlfriend would be on the couch pretending to sleep. And she'd look up and see we sitting down already. And she'd go. And take her time walking over to the table and sit in front of you and just. (laughs) Never barked, never begged, just was there. And then everybody at the table, what you want, girlfriend? (laughs) You know, you wonder who's training who, right? Coco is, is Tony's rescue dog. Huh? That dog. Man, she, if you better not drop nothing on the floor because it's hers. And she will get it so fast. It's like she got a radar. Here's the first. Huh? I mean, she takes everything. You can't come in the house. She tears the door up. You know what? I give her a little morsel of any kind of anything, any food. She'll go get that food while she drops. I'm chewing up and eating it. Looking at you guarding the door so you don't steal her stuff. Huh? Coco is not nearly the same dog she was when we got her. She's plump, not overweight, not fat. She's buff. She's in shape. She takes care of herself. But she off that floor... And off where she can beg for you, she is living well. Huh? And that's the same thing with anybody who's even a little bit in the house of God. I don't care if you got faith that moves mountains, if you got millions and you didn't build a big ministry, or you're just getting started. As long as you're at Father's table, you will live well. Honey, you will not miss a meal. You won't miss anything. Not anything that God has because he loves you as a covenant with you. And he wants people to know you can trust me with your body. You trust me with your finances. You trust me to get you to heaven. You trust me when you need, you know, if you got a, worried about a test or something in school, you trust me with that. You can trust me with your body. Because I'm the same God. I've got a covenant with you of divine health. I've keep, kept people healthy for centuries now. And I'll continue to do it if you trust me. All you got to do is step out there. Like the lady with the daughter. The little bit of faith you have. Put it out there. And ask God to to honor that faith and bring you what you need. Amen. Why don't we put on some music and we'll pray for you. If you want to get prayed for, come on up. If some of you are are wanting to uh, get hands laid on you so you can receive the anointing. To pray for the sick, we can do that as well. But you're invited to come up to the altar of God. Just like the Syrophoenician woman. You're invited. Huh? You've got a covenant and you know you're invited. But you need to go farther in God. There's so many of us that are on the fringes. 
And you're not satisfied because you know there's more to God. So we need to give him all, folks. Trust him with everything. And he'll bless us. He won't betray that trust. He'll honor it. He will honor it.